Hello, my name's Dina Clark and I'd like to welcome you back to my podcast of Let's Talk. Today I'm talking to a survivor of domestic abuse who wants to tell her story. Linda was in a relationship with her partner for over 30 years where she was subjected to domestic violence. Just over 18 months ago it came to a head with a very serious incident which led to him being charged and given a custodial sentence. So, hi Linda, welcome to my podcast. Hi Dina. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm absolutely fine. Brilliant. Thank you so much for, for agreeing to do this with me today. It's really no problem. appreciated. I think it's important. Absolutely. So, I'm going to get straight into the questions. Okay. Um, so, how did you meet your partner? We worked together for about two years before it actually developed into a relationship, shall we say. Okay, okay. Um, how was your relationship at the start? Uh, dynamic he he kind of swept me off my feet <laughs> yeah I was absolutely besotted with him and uh, it was literally just three weeks and I moved in with him wow okay which was a big thing but I just uh, he was the sort of guy even then that I say he just literally swept me off my feet it was like we're with we're, we're 30 you know we know what we're doing we want to be together so why would we wait absolutely and you know who you are and it's not unusual to be moving in with somebody quite quickly nowadays is it really well not when you've known them because you know working together for a couple of years i i did think i know him clearly i didn't but you do think you you know people you know yeah absolutely okay so when did you first see the signs of the relationship being unhealthy I think because it had all, you know, happened so quickly, we, you know, I realised I didn't really know him at all and he had a fierce temper. Right, OK. He could become angry so quickly and for what always seemed to me to be really trivial things, you know. But the the first time I think I I witnessed what I would call quite a serious character issue... Yeah. Um, it, it's like he'd got this much darker side and he'd got two daughters from a previous marriage and I'd got my son who was at that stage living with us and I'd gone into town with a friend and I bought a nighty for each of the girls you know bearing in mind they're like six and seven yeah and uh, they'd got nothing really they used to come and they used to stop the night but they really were I kind of felt sorry for them, you know. So I bought them a nighty and I bought them a cup, just a couple of pairs of pants each so that while they were, live, you know, stopping with us, we've got a change of yep, clothes of at least. And they were so excited when I got home and said, you know, I've got you these. And he was really quiet. And I didn't really know why. No. Um, and he followed me up the stairs and he... He came into the bedroom and his voice lowered like it was really quite chilling, quite menacing. Yeah. And he said, I don't think you've been listening to me. I'm sure I told you, I made it quite clear you weren't ever to buy anything for the girls. And then he said... Perhaps you're not the person I thought you were. Perhaps you should go. And I was like, go? <laughs> I've only just, I only just moved in. And the fact that I'd brought my son with me, you know, 
he absolutely knew that there was no way I could just no. up and go. And it was it was the first in a in a long line of of this emotional intimidation to kind of bring me in line. Yeah. To kind of say, look, you know, I've told you this and you've gone against me. What, what, you know, what do you think you're doing? And so it was, it was concerning, I have to say. But, I mean, let's not be mistaken. I, I absolutely adored him. Of course. And so I just kind of tried to work through it. And um, it, it, got this, it got this really good way of, of kind of turning things round so that it was, it, 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 even if it was something he had done, he would turn it round so that it was my fault and made me to, to be the villain of the piece, you know. Did he ever explain to you why he was angry of why you brought the daughters? He said that he was giving the ex enough money i mean we're talking about a fiver a week wow okay back in those a fiver a week yes. it was negligible and i was like but we're not i've not bought them for her sake i've bought them for the girls yeah of course for when they stayed here yeah yeah and and he kind of what he 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 kind of went through this pattern of he wouldn't speak to you for quite some time and then slowly just say something completely normally and you'd think oh okay we're over that there we go yeah we're all right now but i mean i clearly i really didn't realize uh what was to come and it it wasn't that often in those early years he didn't kind of do that as so often as to make me really concerned so you know we kind of worked our way through it okay Okay, I've got a couple of questions that go with this one, if I'm honest. Um, what was life like living in that sort of relationship? Um, how did you adapt? You'll be able to keep the peace. And what sort of things did you do to keep yourself safe? Well, I think after experiencing that, and, and obviously there were several incidents like that of intimidation over over the years, really, um, you get to the point where you're careful about what you do and what you say so as not to upset them. Of course. And I always used to say it was like walking on eggshells and that's just what it was like. He was kind of on the edge all the time. You could see that there was this sort of anger bubbling away. I I, I mean, I've, I've never, ever got to... Even now, I don't know why he was the way he was. Um... But I would do anything to avoid a confrontation. Of course. And so you end up, you're, you're not really living your own life. No. I, I, I believe that you'd be scared to be living your own life just in case something yeah, triggered because it. You, you know, because that's what used to happen. I would say something off the cuff and he would be like, what did you say? And yeah. I, I used to think, oh, hello, I'm in trouble. Here, here we go, yeah. Here <laughs> we go again. It used to be, no, but, but you see on the other side... He could make me feel like I was the most important woman in the world. Yeah. You know, I was his princess. And, you know, he, he said I was the love of his life. And so you, you know, it seemed a small price to pay. Um, but clearly I didn't realise how it would escalate over no. time. <clears throat> I really didn't. It was very emotional, I can imagine. Yeah, it was terrible. I mean, he was he was so controlling and he used to have all these rules that we all used to have to live by. And 
I was always having to jump into the kid's defence and try and calm things down. And he hated that as well because he, he hated it that I kind of took their side. But really, I was just trying to protect them because I used to think, oh, my God, this is getting so out of hand. Yeah. It, it just seemed crazy. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was after uh, an incident, in fact, about my son. I think the girls were back at their mum's. Um, we'd had an argument about my son and that was the first time that he was actually violent um, about me because he, I tried to stand up to him in an argument Yeah. and it, it just made it worse. He he said I'd defied him once too often. Oh, Christ. <laughs> he was yeah, very okay. dramatic, yeah. you know, but he punched me full in the face. I mean, it was just such a shock and he was a big, strong guy. Yeah. So, like, the force of the punch, I went flying backwards in the room and we'd got a great big oak, a really heavy coffee table, um, which I went down on. And it, it knocked, I, you know, it knocked me out. I was absolutely... And I came to and there was just... It's like the room, was, he was just going mad. He was, he'd, he'd taken the telly, which... Can I just say, you know, the old days, the great oh, big TVs. With the big the, backs, yeah. none of that flat screen. And he hadn't bothered to unplug it, but he'd thrown it. We'd got like a big long stone, you know, rage of the day. We'd, yep. We've got one of those big stone fireplaces. He'd thrown the TV at that. There were sparks everywhere. And, and again, in the old days, you used to have decanters. Yeah. And he'd taken them off the sideboard and he'd, he'd just thrown it across the room and there were glass embedded in the walls. It was an... It was an absolute, like, a disaster area. What was he like at that point when you did come around and he'd calmed down? It took him a little while to calm down. Um, and he always maintained to me that basically he knew that if he hadn't of, shall we say, carried on with the room, yeah. it would have been me that would have been getting the brunt of it. Right, OK. So he kind of excused it by saying that it had deflected he he didn't want to hurt me again um and he seemed genuinely mortified at yeah. what he'd done I mean he really did it was like oh my god I can't believe I've done this and I kind of said to him look we've always known you've got this temper and we just need to make sure we try and manage it and but it, it I mean it was terrifying and you know he was like it's just a one-off and it will never happen again and but I remember going into work the next day and I, I really did feel quite poorly and I felt quite sick and I was getting dizzy and a colleague's like, well, I think, I mean, without saying what had happened, I, yeah. I mean, I think I just, oh, I tripped up and, you know, you'd just make an excuse because, and nobody would be suspicious, why would they? Um, did, but, he, um, did he ask you what excuses you was going to make, to try, obviously, so you wouldn't say it was him? Well, because we'd got friends as well that, we're clearly going to look at the living room and think, Jesus, what's gone on here? Yeah. Um, we just concocted this story that he'd been trying to... We were going to clean the carpet and he was trying to move the TV and he'd tripped up and that yeah. was... And, and that had hit that and that... It was like a domino effect. Yeah, and, OK. And it was... But I ended up in A&E with concussion and I had to... You know, they sent me home to rest. So that was the... That was my first experience of violence what I would call violence and it, it it isn't pretty and it isn't clever and it's it's absolutely terrifying to have a big guy just punch you full in the face and 
the damage it can cause, you know, you just don't... Uh, How long had you been in the relationship before he'd first um, attacked you? I think that was probably, probably 10 years. About 10 years in. Yeah. Right, okay. So he'd never been actually violent no. before. It was all intimidation and, you know, all this underlying emotional blackmail, if you like, to make me toe the line. Yeah. But of course, in that particular instance... I'm kind of thinking, I've had enough of this, you know. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to say this, you know, and so I stood up to him and, whoa, you know, that was a big mistake. A big mistake, absolutely. Uh, Can you think of any other incidences? I mean, I think the trouble is, you see, I mean, the kids moved out because he was just such a nightmare. Um, and he, I think he was glad. He just seemed to think, it was a nuisance that we had him there, you know. Of course. He just wanted me there on my More own. More controlling for, Absolutely, for yourself. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I, I wasn't even associating this with domestic abuse. I just didn't because, to me, domestic abuse is something that goes on on a daily or weekly basis between people that have got no control and, you know, it's sort of thing you see on the TV and hear about on the news. This wasn't me, you know. I couldn't possibly be in... This a sort part of, of this yeah, yeah absolutely you don't I didn't see it because it didn't happen that often even though that particular incident was really bad I still didn't really associate it with the with domestic abuse no and domestic abuse isn't just physical is it it's no. all about obviously no emotional. no I mean that that really I suppose those first years were domestic abuse and then suddenly I'm in a domestic violence absolutely scenario you know yeah but I mean he he just was so unpredictable I mean I I suppose the next shall we say worse incident was I mean we were on holiday we were having a lovely time we'd flown out to Turkey to see my sister and her husband and we were having a lovely time and we you know how you do when you're sitting there at night and you're having a, a little drink and but I mean, you know, he didn't drink a lot, I have to say. It weren't drink that drove him to anything no. like this. And he started to get on about something really, really trivial. Again, really, it was always trivial. And he started going on. And I thought, what? why are we going here? You know, we're sitting here with, you know, nice people. Yeah, having a lovely in time. nice company. Why are you being like this? And <laughs> stupid me... <laughs> Being again, suddenly you, you you sort of wonder afterwards, how did you get to be so brave? And I'm like, well, if you're going to be nasty to me, I'm I'm going up to the room, you know. Yeah, but I I suppose when they're <laughs> few and far between, <laughs> is it going to happen again? Is it not going to happen again? And why shouldn't you stick up for yourself? Well, no, absolutely. And I was really cross at him for saying all this in front of my sister. I'm like, you know, you you really showing me up here. What what's going on? Yeah. But I say, again, it turned out to be a huge mistake. I mean, he admitted to me afterwards when I kind of relayed everything as to what was happening because he he always used to maintain that he didn't really remember all the details. Right, OK. You know, well, like blackouts? Well, like, yeah, I suppose they could be. He, he, used to, he used to kind of say, oh, I don't remember doing that. And he, he knew he'd hurt me. Yeah but he didn't remember the, the kind of details of it all. Yeah. So I'd said to him, you know, you, you came through that door like a madman. And he did. Came through the door like a madman. And he said, yeah, I'd run up the stairs. I didn't even wait for the lift. And we were on the fourth floor. Wow, okay. So he'd rushed, and he, and he was literally on me before I could defend myself. He, he just ran at me. And, 
you know, it's like when you're abroad, it's all big ceramic tiles. Yeah, it's marble, yeah, yeah. It is, isn't it, yeah. So he came down on top of me, my head hit these tiles, and I mean, I, I heard the crack, I knew we'd done damage, and I, again, I just blacked out. Right, okay. And he came down on top of me, and when I came to, he was pacing backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards, and his fists clenched and unclenched and clenched, and, and I could see him, and I thought, oh, my God. And, I mean, I re- everything was hurting. I felt like I'd been run over. Of course. It was absolutely dreadful. And I'd got, I sort of felt the back of my head, and I'd got this huge lump coming up, and my side, I, I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's really hurt me. Something's broken here. Yeah, yeah. I'm really hurting. And um, I kind of managed to... I was already on the floor and I managed to just drag myself up to the end of the bed and prop myself up. Now, normally, if he knew he'd hurt me, it would kind of snap him out immediately and yeah. he would be like, oh, my God, what have I done? Yeah. And this particular time was really scary because he just carried on going on and on at me about, you know, how dare I embarrass him in front of him and how dare I walk away from him and... You know, what do you think you're playing at sort of thing. It's it's like a real, you've def- you've got this thing, you know, yeah. if you disrespected him, yeah. it, he, it, that was kind of what, what set him off. And it took him so long to calm down. I mean, he actually got in bed and started reading his book. Wow, okay. And I'm still propped up at the end of the bed. And he said, get up and get yourself ready for bed. Stop whimpering. And I was like, oh, my God. I mean, the pain was so bad. I mean, I could I could hardly move, hardly move. And I, I don't know what prompted him to realise that he... That he, he was hurt. Yeah. Yeah. He suddenly, he did realise I was in real trouble. And he got up and helped me onto the bed. And he propped me up against the pillows. And he was like, how the hell are we going to explain this? And I'm like, oh like God. it was my fault, you know. Yeah. And that was two nights in hospital, morphine drip, fractured ribs, concussion. In another country. In another country. And again, he was like mortified. He was like, oh, God, I'm going to go back and jump off the balcony. You always like to make a big... Yeah, okay. So it it became all about him then? Yeah. Yeah. He deflects from what he's done to me. And I mean, my sister and her husband were like, why is he so upset? You know, she's she's fallen over because... He said to them I'd had a bit of a dodgy tummy and I'd I'd fainted in the bathroom and hit myself on the sink and I'd gone down. Right, okay. So there's always a good excuse. And it sounds like he was quite a good liar that your actual sister and her husband believed everything that was being said. Absolutely compulsive liar. He could could think of a whole scenario in an instant. Yeah, just to get himself out of it. Just to get himself out of trouble. Yeah. And... I mean, I, you know, I said to him when I came out of hospital, I said to him, you've... And he, and he said, I can't believe I put you in hospital. And I'm like, we, you've got to get help. I yeah. don't need help. Yeah, yeah, you do. You, you really do need to get help because I can't... I said to him, I can't go on like this. No. You know, you can cope. Well, I say you can cope. You can't always... You do, it's not somehow you want to live. No. But the psychological abuse... And that can sometimes be worse. I bet there are people sitting out there thinking, oh, you know, she don't know what she's talking about. But for me, it was that terrible violence that I couldn't cope with. No, of course. Um, And people 
are different, aren't they? So yeah, people can yeah. put up with so much. Well, I kind of managed his anger when it was just him being a bit nasty now and again. Yeah. But, you know, when he was physically violent, I say he was such a big guy that he really did hurt me. Yeah, of course. And he he made this big show of, you know, I found a, I'm going to go and see a counsellor. And I think he went about three times, said he was a load of rubbish and I'm not going again. And didn't go again. So that was the end of that. Yeah. Um, and I think what, I mean, to be honest, it's it's scary that I actually stayed in this relationship until I actually realised he was seeing other women. Right, okay. And How I did you find that out? I intercepted a message between him and one of his girlies. Right, okay. How did you feel about that? Oh, I mean, it was devastating. Absolutely devastating. Because the message was awful. It was the sort of gutter language you... You know, you I really wouldn't have expected to hear him say to another woman. No. And so I started to, shall we say, avidly look. You know, I I I started to check, and you, you don't you don't want to be that woman. Of course, you yeah, know, th- checking the messages. Yeah, yeah the emails. But I did. I used to start checking what he was doing, and um, it's it's. It's really difficult. I think I found that side of things so difficult to deal with. The fact that he had shared intimacies with one particular other woman, but there were others as well. Yeah. Especially when you'd been through that for so many years. Yeah, absolutely. You think, God, I'm going through... You know, I've let him abuse me all these years and yeah. now he's not even been faithful to me. Yeah. It was such... A shock. I mean, it really was devastating. Yeah, of course. And I did immediately, I knew I'd got to get out. I knew I'd got to get out. And I did actually manage to leave him at one stage. and But it was only for five months because, unfortunately, <laughs> I, you know, he, he comes back to being the wonderful, adoring man that loves you so much and you can't possibly go and nothing else matters. and yeah. He'll... And I think I think that's a question out there, isn't it? That people think of why don't you just leave them? I think people think it's that easy. Um, it's not easy at all. No, because you love them, and you like I having seen all this stuff with other women. You think surely that would trigger something, but it didn't. I I just was kind of think almost like how can I stop this going on, but not to leave it. I, it was almost like I left I want to him. Help. Yeah, yeah. I, I left him to try and shake him up, to try and make him see that you can't carry on like that, you no. know? And I, I didn't know what had triggered that in him, that I'd never seen. And even friends and family said they'd never seen that in him before. I was always his princess. I yeah. was always... You was his person. Yeah, yeah. you know, so they, they, they really didn't... Um... But I think they, they find out... I mean, I you know, even I've had counselling since, and... They say that it's a trait that you you know you you don't leave them. It it's like that's what spurred this final attack because um, I found out that he'd gone back. You know I came back and we, everything was hunky dory, but then I found out that he'd got in touch with her again. This one right, particular okay. woman, and so I'd said to him, "That's it, and I'm going to get out." And I was looking for another flat and. Um, 
And that's why he was so vicious. And unbeknown to me, he'd actually fitted a tracker to my car. Oh, God, okay. So he'd kind of got really obsessive about the fact that I'd left him once. He obviously was worried I might do it again. Of course. And so he he was keeping an eye on me, and it didn't matter how much... I tried to say, but but you you know you're you're going with, with this other woman and you're seeing other women as well. You you really you clearly don't love me. You say you do, but you can't because you wouldn't need this. It's a massive control thing, though, isn't it? With him, with the sounds of it. Oh yeah. He wanted to control you, and he was probably controlling those other women as well. Yeah, he was. I mean, the the particular woman he went with quite a lot um, that he'd met through work. He. Oh, he only had to click his fingers and she was there. I yeah. felt sorry for her because I knew how it felt. Of course. I knew she'd be absolutely beside with him. He would be saying whatever... She knew he was married, but but clearly, he, I mean, he was probably saying, oh, you know, I can't can't leave her, I feel sorry for of her. Course. Or, you know, yeah. you all the scenarios, he would be bringing them all off. Well, of course, like you said, and he thinks on the spot. So he's literally telling absolutely. her all kinds of stuff. Yeah, he would have done. So what was your next steps then? So how did you find out that you had a tracker on your car? Well, because I was sat here, I'd found a flat. Yeah. I'd got a friend who was going to stand guarantor for me. Um, and he came back. He'd been sitting over at, he works locally. Yeah. And um, he'd been sitting over there tracking where I'd been. And so he came in and I was on the uh, I was on a video call to my sister in Turkey and he said you've been lying to me. And I said I'm going to have to go. Yeah. I need to go now. I I'll need call to you go. back. I'll call you back, you know. So she's immediately worried to death of course. what's going on because when I left him the first time that was when everybody found out why Okay, so you confided the violence, in the people then. And that was the first time that I'd ever said to anybody, you know, he hurts me, he's emotionally abusive. And, oh, by the way, he's having all these other women. You know, so it was a big shock to everybody. Of course, yeah. Um, but I, I, I knew I'd got to try and calm it down. So I said to him, what, what on earth's the matter? You know, what, what, what are you talking about? And he literally read out all these dresses where I'd been. Oh, right, okay. So I said, so you've been tracking me? Yeah, how does it feel, you know? Because he knew that I'd... Um, I followed him once on, you know, you find my iPhone. Yeah, that's right, yeah. I'd kind of followed him once to this woman's house. Oh, right, When okay. I wondered where he was going. Yeah. Um, and I'd confronted him and so, he, you know, how does it feel, you know, and I was like, well, it's a bit of a different reason, you know, and I've told you that I'm, I want to get out, you know, that I'm not going to put up with it any longer. Um, and I did just try and argue with him that he, he would be better without me. He could get up to all, all that he wanted. Yeah, you know, and, go it, and see and who it, he wanted to. And it wouldn't matter. And he actually... He actually smiled as he came towards me, completely blindsided me. I thought he was going to sit down and chat. It was so brutal. I mean, he he pinned me to the sofa with his knee and his left arm. And he just started punching down on me. 
probably, I know it sounds silly, but I was probably lucky he was above me because if he'd have been coming at me full face with punches, I think I'd have had broken jaws and all sorts. Yeah, and you'd have been knocked out completely, wouldn't you? As it was, a lot of the punches hit the top of my head. But, I mean, he, it was so vicious. I could hear him drawing a breath between each punch. Wow. That's okay. how bad it was. And it was... Well, it was within seconds. I couldn't. I couldn't see this. I my my left eye had completely shut, and my right eye had puffed up. And I kind of was looking through this little slit, and I thought, "Oh my God! If I don't get out of here, you know, he's going to kill me." And then it suddenly stopped, and I mean, he must have hit me, I don't know, a dozen times. Yeah. Really, really brutal it was, and I just felt like my head was going to burst, and I suddenly. You know, it took me a few seconds to even realise he'd got up. And I was having to move my head because I couldn't see. No. I couldn't just look up and see. And I pushed myself up off the sofa. And, it, I mean, I was just so bad. It was ridiculous. And I thought, right, this is my chance to, to get out, to get to the front door. Because he'd double locked the back door before I'd come in. Right, okay. And, took the and are they out. ever locked? No. No. So, you know, yes. I knew I'd got to get to the front door and yep. I knew I'd got to get, well, I didn't know where he was at that stage. This the, the kitchen door was ajar. But when you open our kitchen door fully, it doesn't leave a lot of room between the kitchen door and the so the edge of the sofa. Yep. So he suddenly comes out of the kitchen waving a carving knife. Oh, no. And I'm like, I said... No, no, come on, this is crazy. Yeah. And I mean, I'm I'm hunched over. I can hardly stand as it is. Hardly see. Yeah, and he comes out. He's like Jack the Lad. I'm going to kill you. Oh, no, okay. And it was, well, I mean, I, I thought I'm going to die here today. This is terrible, of you know. Oh, yeah. It's okay. Take some time. And I can't believe he still came at me with the knife. I mean, I was already dripping blood over the carpet. And it was lucky I'd got... It was cold day. And I'd got a big cardigan on and a jumper. And he, But he took the knife back and he swung it at me with such a force. I mean, it was a good job. I managed to kind of lift my arm and turn sideways. Yeah. So he, he caught it right across my side, just under my bust. And it went through? And it went right through. Yeah. And I instinctively grabbed my side. And I think he must have seen the blood. Yeah. And it it kind of brought him up sharp. And he turned away and he, he took the knife and he threw it at the patio door. Really, you know, and he really, it was like a real growl and he, oh, you know, and he threw it at the door and it just shattered like a car windscreen and we were both sort of, and I, I literally used that moment just to grab my phone off the table and I was out that and front then, door. Okay. And I just, well, I, I did literally stagger onto the pavement. Did people come to your aid? Yes, they did. I mean, I, you know, we're in a village, so... People are, it's all quite a close-knit community. Um, a woman from a farm around the corner, she was the first to pull up and then a guy pulled up, said he'd got a first aid kit. and They're all like, what the hell's gone on here, you know? Yeah. 
And then fortunately, a, a neighbour pulled up behind and, you know, she she came and said, oh, my God, what's, you know, what's gone on? Yeah. And the woman said, she says her husband's attacked her. And she was like... <laughs> No, don't apologise. I said, I, I think he stabbed me, Vic. And she was like, oh, my God. You know, he did this. You know, they, they just... Well, nobody could did believe they it, know? really. Did, did your neighbours know at that point? Because you said five months before you'd told quite a lot of people. No, not, not the neighbours. No. But he had told them all that he was having anger problems. Right, But okay. he didn't tell them he'd been knocking me about. No. Um, and he certainly didn't tell them that, you know, I'd caught him out with another woman. Um, so, yeah, they were seriously shocked. Um, but fortunately, she said, look, come into mine. You you don't get signals here. It's a nightmare for mobiles. No. I got about 30 missed calls from the police trying to ring me back. To oh, were they? Right, OK. Yeah, because I'd... I'd yeah, dialed I'd them. I'd dialed the 999 and then it kept cutting out. Um, but they rang from a landline and so police and ambulance and everything was, was called. And uh, that was that was me. They... You know, it was fortunate that people were there to help me. And that was the final incident? Yes, because he was arrested. <laughs> yeah. And I think I was kind of relieved that it was like I knew that was an end. It was over. Yeah, I knew it was over because yeah. I knew you couldn't... I knew, A, I couldn't have suffered such a major assault and have gone on. And once the police get involved, I knew it. it would almost be out of my hands. I knew I'd... You know, and and I I said to the police at the outset that I would support any prosecution they wanted to bring. Yeah, I'm glad. because I knew I'd got to. You know, it was time. You know, you've got to draw it yeah, to an end. Absolutely. Um, what support did you receive after the incident? Um, who from, and how did it help you? Well, in an immediate situation, um, they allocated a young policewoman, um, to stay with me. She came with me in the ambulance. And a big, big shout out to Coventry Walsgrave. That's the A and E they took me to. Yeah. And um, there was like this whole trauma team waiting, and they just literally, you know, it was like you see on the TV, they cut your clothes off. And yeah. They sent Wheel me down. You through. Yeah, yeah. They sent me down for a body scan because the doctor said that sometimes with such major visual injuries you know they worry that there might be something underlying yeah um so they took me down and i had a scan and he said he's broken your nose but again he said it, i was fortunate that he hadn't you know broken my jaw or my cheekbones it could you know it could have been a lot worse if i hadn't have been kind of cowered down and yeah i took a lot of the blows on the back of my head but it was really scary because you, you think, God, am I going to be able to see properly again? Of course. I'd What's never happen after? Yeah, you yeah. you know, you, you just don't know. Um, but I must say, you hear a lot of horror stories about the police as regards domestic violence, but they could not have been more supportive and helpful, Brilliant. really. Absolutely. And they let me rest overnight and they came the next morning and said, 
would I give a video statement rather than a written statement because it has much more of an impact. Yeah. And I mean, I could seriously understand that because every time I looked in the mirror, it was just so shocking. Yeah, of course. You know, what he'd done to me, it, it makes you realise what they're capable of. Yeah. You know, in a real rage, what somebody's capable of. Of course. And I think people perhaps put up with minor, you know, black eyes and a bruised cheek or whatever. But, like, if they snap and they really go, it, you know, you, you do. You, you end up in hospital or, or, or a worse. Or worse, yeah. Well, you know, you, you hear of people that have been killed yeah, by, you, a, you know. And um, I think it was one of those things the detective... Uh, came back later that day. They said I, I wasn't discharged till later on that evening. Um, and they drove me to Northampton General. They've got like a, a suite of rooms that are, shall we say, they're more comfortable than like an interview room. And yeah. You just sit on a sofa and chat and tell them. And obviously it's being recorded. So the jury, if it went to a trial or the judge, they can see exactly what sort of a state you're in. At the time. And how raw it is. Yeah, of course. Um, and still is, as you've witnessed. <laughs> um, and it's only kind of when you when you have to try and talk about it. I mean, in my day-to-day life, I, you know, I'm okay. But it's it's awful that they can do this to, to you, you know? Yeah. I mean, the detective said, God, you know, you've are you sure you want to go back to that, you know, to your home? Because there's... Like the blood is pretty bad, and I was like, "No, no, I'll be fine." I was <laughs> horrible to say, but I was kind of used to clearing up blood, not to this extent. I mean, no. when I came home, it was there was blood everywhere up the walls. I mean, he'd walked in it, so it was everywhere. Yeah. The car, the carpet where I where he'd actually hurt me was was terrible. Um, but. My priority really was was getting the patio door. That was that was kind of I say that was completely shattered. So I said to the detective, you know, I'll I'll have to phone the housing association. So I phoned you guys, PA yeah. Housing, and um, I don't know who I actually got with that initial call, but she couldn't have been more helpful. Brilliant. Um, she said they'd get somebody out within the hour, and that. If I needed extra locks, or you know, she really was helpful. Brilliant. They're obviously used to. We're well, not used to. Hopefully, they don't have to get used to that sort of thing. But you know, they they have probably clearing instructions what to do in that as to scenario. what to do. Yeah. Um, and I said, no, I was okay because I'd you know my friends had said, look, we're going to be over tomorrow morning, first thing, and we're going to get this place cleaned up and new locks put on and. And again, PA said I could do whatever I wanted because somebody had said to me, oh, you know, they won't let you change locks. And she said, you do whatever you do need what to. Do what you need to do, yes. To feel safe. Yes. Um, and, yeah, they they couldn't have been help, more helpful. And, I mean, it was really they, they helped me go through the courts to get the tenancy change from a joint name into a single name. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have had a clue. No. And they helped me do all that. Um, And I had a a very lovely lady named Monique from PA. And she used to 
just phone every now and again to see if I was okay. Did she? Which was really nice. I know Monique personally, and I know that she's a really caring person, so I'm really glad that you had her. <laughs> yes, so am I. Yeah. <laughs> so am I. Yeah, she was. She was lovely. Um, and I'd the police had put me on to um, an organisation called the um, National Centre for Domestic Violence and also the Sunflower Centre, which is local to this area. Okay. And so I had phone calls from them about, you know, if I needed help. And you, you're kind of dubious at first because you... You, d- you don't want people knowing your business of almost. yeah. You know, you, you want to try and keep it as private as you can. But they were so helpful. And I think it's important that people understand that the feedback you give them from your that one experience you've had could help other people to go through it and to overcome it and to to know what to do. And I know every case is individual. Um so, like, they weren't sure... They were worried that he might get bail. Right. So the first priority was they got me what's called a non-molestation order. Now, the National Centre for Domestic Violence, they've got lawyers and solicitors and barristers that work free of charge, give their time to this particular area. And I had a lovely lady come on. She was a. She said she was previously a criminal barrister. And she helped me prepare a statement... Uh, a victim statement which helped me get this non-molestation order through the court which meant that had he been al- I mean he never was fortunately no, but, but if he ever did had he been allowed out on bail because you, you just never know do you no, know how you it's going to go no. um, he wouldn't have been able to come anywhere near me or here right okay so that was that was kind of really important because I mean it is it has amazed me how many people that I've spoken to since that have opened up to me and a a couple that really shocked me that were men that were being abused by their wives, one of which had divorced his wife because she used used to beat him up. Yeah. And you you don't kind of associate domestic abuse with men, but believe you me, it it shocked me. Yeah, Yeah, it is, absolutely. And... um, I mean, the the police stayed in charge. I, they wanted to go for attempted murder, but they said they were worried that that wouldn't hold because he had thrown the knife away, and therefore he, I suppose, he could have gone on and and stabbed me. Of it, course, yeah. So they they charged him with wounding with intent. Okay. Um, and they said, you know, it could be a really big sentence. It was it's a bit surreal because you. You don't realise that nowadays they really do take domestic violence seriously. Yeah, they do. And that's why it's it's so important to to kind of get it out there, what goes on and what's available and what you can do. Yeah, just to help others as well. Absolutely, yeah. Because I also had um, a woman from the probation service. When you're a victim of violence, you get a probation officer allocated to you and again they explain all the legalities about what's going to happen to him how it will affect you what's going to happen if it goes to court because for some obscure reason initially he pleaded not guilty 
<laughs> I know it was it was really incredible, and so instead of it being dealt with very quickly, it dragged on. It dragged on and on. And what grounds was he going not guilty on? Well, he was trying to say it was an accident. He hadn't meant to use the knife on me. Well, right. I mean the fact that he'd actually left the room to go to another room to get it, and but what that meant was that the poor police, instead of it being cut and dried, they'd got to prove intent. Yeah. You know, because they didn't want to just go... His solicitor was trying to argue that it was just GBH. And they said, no, there's no way we're accepting that. Fortunately, you know, they were really very good. And they fought. And... They on did. his behalf, that he'd not only put you through all of that, he wanted to drag you through the courts yep. and to keep it going. And that's what they said. A lot of them are so arrogant yeah. that they think they can convince a jury that they didn't I, I, I didn't really mean to hurt no. her. It wasn't with intent. Yes, I did hurt her and I'm really, really sorry. But although the detective said she would, she said he is... She said he's a typical sociopath. She said he's, he showed no remorse whatsoever. She said the only person he was worried about when I interviewed him was himself. And, uh, you know, it, it, it is awful. And because you... I mean, I did have to go to the doctor because I was having terrible nightmares. You've, It's almost as if, even though you know they're locked up, you get this feeling of threat. Yeah. Uh, and I and I, I can't explain it. And the doctor said it's like a mild form of PTSD, which, yeah. you, you know, you, you associate with soldiers and people yeah, like that. Do, yeah. But, you know, you certainly don't associate it with, with domestic violence. But he said, no, this was such a brutal attack that your mind, you know, so when you, you're trying to go to sleep and, you know, I'd hear a noise in the hall or upstairs and you, you, you sort of think, oh... You freeze. You you know that it's not him. Yeah. But your body reacts to yeah. to that, you know, unintentionally. You you've got no no control over that, and you also I think, and I'm sure there are loads and loads of people out there in this place where you kind of blame yourself for what's happened. Well, if I'd have done this, he perhaps wouldn't have come back so angrily, and if I'd have done that he wouldn't have reacted in that way. And you, even then, you're almost trying to excuse what he's done. Yeah. It's absolutely And you can't blame crazy. yourself. I feel like you've been through enough. Um, leads me on to my next question. How's life for you, um, for you today? How are you feeling? Oh, I'm, I'm in a good place now. Yeah. I mean, I know I have my moments. <laughs> of course, but you, know, you will do. Because it is difficult when you're trying to talk about it. Yeah. Um, but... I, Having said that, it's good to talk about it. It's yeah. such, it's like a big weight's been lifted off my shoulders that I can finally describe what was happening and, and how I felt. And, you know, my life is just so different to how it used to be. I'm not, I'm not wary of him coming home and what sort of moods he's going to be in and what will he say if I do this. And I can just get on and do things without having to... That sort of... It's like having a dark shadow over you all the time. Yeah. And it's not until that's been lifted. And everybody, you know, all my friends and family, they're, they're like, you're a different person. I was going to say, can they see a difference? What What was your confidence levels like when he was around to how they are now? Because to me, 
being you with you today and obviously knowing knowing you over the last couple of weeks your confidence is fantastic is that well I think I mean professionally I was always very confident and capable woman you know and I think that's why people have said how on earth did you put up with this but emotionally you're very weak because they they just drive away at you day after day week after week you know how pathetic you are and how you're useless and how you shouldn't be doing something this way you should have done it that way and why did you say that and you you it does it drives your confidence to a yeah, real low, low they just yeah they destroy your own self-esteem yeah. um but i know my own worth and i know i'm worth more than that now yes you are without and I, doubt you know i i say everybody you know i, I mean even neighbors have come in and said oh my god you never used to come out of you know and now you're out and about and i i kind of in lockdown, I was getting involved with all the neighbours for shopping and, you know, yeah. you, you just, you do whatever you can. Good for you. And um, this comes to our last question now. Um, why did you want to tell your story today? I think, for me, if just one person listens to this and makes a decision to turn their lives around and get out of an abusive relationship... Because they're not all the same. I know there's loads of people going through it. I know there are. I've got a friend who's even going through it now. But if if they can make that decision to turn their life around, then to me, then it will all have been worth it. And it, I mean, it is traumatic to talk about it. But at least for me, that's all in the past now. Um, it, it's like I can look forward to a much better future and... I'm not saying it's easy, but when I look back now, I can't believe I put up with it for so long. And there must be so many people out there right now hoping their partner will change when there's actually very little chance of that happening. I mean, I know from my counselling, there's these people don't change. No. They don't. And, you know, don't make the same mistake as me and end up in hospital or worse because you see all that in the newspapers now. I mean, I had 30 years, really, of a miserable kind of day-to-day life. And you think you can't live without him, but you can. You know, I, I've realised that I can be without him. And I, and I don't know why I was so afraid that I wouldn't be able to manage without him. And I think of all those years that are, that are wasted. And life can be so much better. So if you're out there, get out now while you can. (laughs) Thank you so much, Linda. Honestly, thank you for being so brave and thank you for having the courage to tell you our story today. That's okay. Thank you. Sorry about the hiccups. (laughs) No, don't you worry about that at all. Um, I know today that we're talking about domestic abuse perpetrating towards women, but we know that anybody can be the victim of domestic abuse. Yeah. Okay, so if anybody's affected, you can call the National Domestic Violence Helpline on 0808 2000 247 or Mankind on 01823 4244. Linda also wanted me to mention the Sunflower Centre. Okay, you can contact them on 01604 888 or again at the National Centre for Domestic Violence, and that's on 0800 970 2070.
again, thank you so much, Linda. I really appreciate you no, speaking to me thank today. Thank you. Thank you.